0: Nuclear war tail risk has been exaggerated. By Vasco Grillo. The views expressed here are my own, not those of Alliance to Feed the Earth in Disasters, ALFT, for which I work as a contractor. I encourage you to check Karl Robichaux's comment, which will be shared soon. Summary. Here's a list of bullet points. I calculated a near-term annual risk of human extinction from nuclear war of 5.93 asterisk 10 12, more. I consider grantmakers and donors interested in decreasing extinction risk had better focus on artificial intelligence, AI, instead of nuclear war, more. I would say the case for sometimes prioritizing nuclear extinction risk over AI extinction risk is much weaker than the case for sometimes prioritizing natural extinction risk over nuclear extinction risk, more. I get a sense the extinction risk from nuclear war was massively overestimated in the Existential Risk Persuasion Tournament, XPT, more. I have the impression Toby Ord greatly overestimated tail risk in the precipice, more. I believe interventions to decrease deaths from nuclear war should be assessed based on standard cost-benefit analysis, more. I think increasing calorie production via new food sectors is less cost-effective to save lives than measures targeting distribution, more that's the end of the list heading extinction risk from nuclear war i calculated a near-term annual risk of human extinction from nuclear war of 5.93 asterisk 10 12 equals 6.36 times 10 to the power of negative 14 times 5.53 times 10 to the power of negative 10 0.5 from the geometric mean between my prior of 6.36 10 14 for the annual probability of a war causing human extinction. My inside view estimate of 5.53 10 10 for the near term annual probability of human extinction from nuclear war. By near term annual risk, I mean that in a randomly selected year from 2025 to 2050. I computed my inside view estimate of 5.53 10 10 equals 0.0131 times 0.0422 times 10 to the power of negative 6, multiplying 1.31% annual probability of a nuclear weapon being detonated as an act of war, for 0.22% probability of insufficient calorie production given at least one nuclear detonation, 10 to the power of negative 6 probability of human extinction given insufficient calorie production, I explain the rationale for the above estimates in the next sections. Note nuclear war might have cascade effects which lead to civilizational collapse, which could increase long-term extinction risk while simultaneously having a negligible impact on the near-term one I estimated. I do not explicitly assess this in the post, but I guess the near-term annual risk of human extinction from nuclear war is a good proxy for the importance of decreasing nuclear risk from a long-termist perspective. Here's a list of bullet points. My prior implicitly accounts for the cascade effects of wars. I derived it from historical data on the deaths of combatants due to not only fighting, but also disease and starvation, which are ever-present indirect effects of war. Nuclear war might have cascade effects, but so do other catastrophes. Global civilizational collapse due to nuclear war seems very unlikely to me. For instance. The maximum destroyable area by any country in a nuclear first strike was estimated to be 65.3 k km2 in SU 2023, for a strike by Russia, which is just 70.8% equals 65.3 10 3, a 92.2 10 3, of the area of Portugal, or 3.42%, equals 65.3 10 3, 1.91 10 6, of the global urban area. Even given global civilizational collapse, I guess full recovery would be extremely likely. I am open to the idea that nuclear war can have long-term implications even in the case of full recovery, but considerations along these lines would arguably be more pressing in the context of AI risk. For context, William McCaskill said the following on the 80,000 Hours podcast. It's quite plausible, actually, when we look to the very long-term future, that that's whether artificial general intelligence is developed in liberal democracies, or, in some dictatorship or authoritarian state, the biggest deal when it comes to a nuclear war, the impact of nuclear war and the distribution of values for the civilization that returns from that, rather than on the chance of extinction. Nevertheless, value lock-in, for better or worse, is arguably more cost-effectively ensured via influencing the development of AI. Appealing to cascade effects or other known unknowns feels a little like a regression to the inscrutable, which is characterized by the following pattern. Arguments for high existential risk initially focus on aspects of the risk which are relatively better understood, for example, famine deaths due to the climatic effects of nuclear war. Further analysis frequently shows the risk from such aspects has been overestimated and is in fact quite low, for example, near term risk of human extinction from nuclear war then discussions move to more poorly understood aspects of the risk, for example how the distribution of values after a nuclear war affects the long-term values of transformative AI. That's the end of the list. In any case, I recognize it is a crucial consideration whether near-term annual risk of human extinction from nuclear war is a good proxy, for the importance of decreasing nuclear risk from a long-termist perspective. I would agree further research on this is really valuable. Additionally, I appreciate one should be skeptical whenever a model outputs a risk as low as the ones I mentioned at the start of this section. For example, a model predicting a 1 in a trillion chance of the global real gross domestic product, real GDP, decreasing from 2008 to 2009 would certainly not be capturing most of the actual risk of recession then, which would come from that model being massively wrong. On the other hand, one should be careful not to overgeneralize this type of reasoning and conclude that any model outputting a small probability must be wrong by many orders of magnitude, orders of magnitude. The global real GDP decreased 0.743%, equals 1, 92.21, 92.9, from 2008 to 2009, largely owing to the 2007 to 2008 financial crisis, but such a tiny drop is a much less extreme event than human extinction. Basic analysis of past economic trends would have revealed global recessions are unlikely, but perfectly plausible. In contrast, I see historical data suggesting a war causing human extinction is astronomically unlikely. Finally, one could claim I am underestimating the risk due to not adequately accounting for unknown unknowns. I agree, but I might as well be overestimating it for the same reasons. To illustrate, one knows nothing about absolutely unknown unknowns, and therefore should not expect them to move the best guess for the risk up or down. In the real world of probabilities, if not in that of logic, absence of evidence is evidence of absence. I have the impression best guesses for tail risk and cost-effectiveness usually go down. Subheading. Annual probability of a nuclear weapon being detonated as an act of war. I estimated an annual probability of a nuclear weapon being detonated as an act of war of 1.31%, equals 1, 1 to 0.29, 1, 2050 to 2024, which I got from Metaculous Community Prediction on the 23rd of January, 2024 of 29% before 2050. My annual probability is 1.03, equals 0.0131 or 0.0127 times the base rate of 1.27% equals 179 respecting nuclear detonations in 1 year over the last 79 equals 2023 1945 plus 1 which seems reasonable subheading probability of insufficient calorie production given at least one nuclear detonation i determined a probability of globally insufficient calorie production given at least one nuclear detonation of 4.22% I computed this running a Monte Carlo simulation with 1m samples and independent distributions, and supposing. Here's a list of bullet points. The number of nuclear detonations given at least one being detonated as an act of war, as a fraction of the total of 12.5k in 2023, is described by a beta distribution with 61st percentile equals 1 to 0.39 of 0.800 percent equals 112.5*103 and 89th percentile, equals 1 to 0.11, of 8%, equals 1 asterisk 10 3, 12.5 asterisk 10 3, which has alpha and beta parameters of 0.190 and 6.68, and mean of 2.77%. The 61st and 89th percentiles correspond to Metaculous community predictions on the 2nd of February, 2024 of 39% an 11% probability of over 101k offensive nuclear detonations before 2050 given, at least one nuclear detonation causing a fatality before 2050. The fraction of nuclear detonations which are countervalue is represented by a beta distribution with 25th and 75th percentiles equal to 3.7% and 63%, in agreement with Metaculous Community Predictions on 2 February, 2024. This beta distribution has alpha and beta parameters of 0.364 and 0.682, and mean of 34.8%. The mean equivalent yield of the countervalue nuclear detonations is 121 kt, equals 2,559 times 10 to the power of 6 divided by 21,234, which I got from the ratio between 2,559 metric tons. Equals 1,261 plus 1,006 plus 167 plus 74, plus 31 plus 14 plus 6, equivalent yield deliverable in a nuclear first strike in 2010, summed across countries. 21,234 nuclear warheads in 2010. The soot injected into the stratosphere per equivalent yield is the maximum likelihood log normal distribution given two independent estimates of 3.15 asterisk 10 carat dash 5 and 0.00215 tg akt i arrived at these by adjusting results from reissner 2018 and reissner 2019 and tune 2008 and tune 2019 the mean and standard deviation of the logarithm of the distribution i just mentioned are equal to the mean and unadjusted standard Deviation of the logarithms of the two estimates, which are minus 8.25 and 2.11. For references, my mean soot injected into the stratosphere per equivalent yield is 0.00242 TG, KT, which is 1.13, equals 0.00215 times my higher estimate. The reasons for this are the distribution having to be quite wide for one to be maximally likely to observe two very different estimates. And the mean of a log normal distribution increasing with its uncertainty. Minimum soot injected into the stratosphere for insufficient calorie production of 84.2 Tg equals 47 plus 150 to 47, forward slash 2.38 to 1.08, asterisk 2.38 to 1.91. This is the minimum for insufficient calorie consumption in year 2, less than 1.91 K. Call a person a D. Given equitable food distribution, consumption of all edible livestock feed, and no household food waste, linearly interpolating the data of figure 5 or of shear 2022. 47 Tg for 2.38 K call a person a d. 150 Tg for 1.08 K call a person a d. 12. The net effect on calorie production of all the adaptation measures is similar to assuming equitable food distribution consumption of all edible livestock feed, and no household food waste. To the extent these three are needed to mitigate famine nationally, I guess they would be roughly fully implemented nationally, but not globally. Nevertheless, there are other factors contributing towards sheer 2022 overestimating famine, relatedly, see resilient food solutions. The baseline conditions in Shear 2022 refer to 2010, but the world is becoming increasingly more resilient against starvation. The death rate from protein energy malnutrition decreased 77.7%, equals 000274 percent forward slash, 0.0123%, from 1990 to 2019. Foreign aid to the more affected countries, including international food assistance. Increase in meat production per capita from 2010, which is the reference year in sheer 2022. Increase in real GDP per capita from 2010, which is relevant because poverty is a major risk factor for famines. Replacing forest and grazing land by cropland. In 2016, grazing land was 2.06 equals 3.28 or 1.59 times as large as cropland, so this would become 3.06 equals 1 plus 2.06 times as large given full replacement. In 2019, forest land was 85.5% equals 0.3758, 0.4394, as large as cropland, so this would become 1.86, equals 1 plus 0.855, times as large given full replacement. I am not claiming full replacement would be possible or needed, but the above illustrates there is great margin to increase cropland. Scenarios assume that all stored food is consumed in year one, so there is room for better rationing. We do not consider farm management adaptations such as changes in cultivar selection, switching to more cold-tolerating crops or greenhouses 31 and alternative food sources such as mushrooms, seaweed, methane single-cell protein, insects 32, hydrogen single-cell protein 33 and cellulosic sugar 34. Large-scale use of alternative foods, requiring little to no light to grow in a cold environment 38, has not been considered but could be a life-saving source of emergency food if such production systems were operational. Byproducts of biofuel have been added to livestock feed and waste 27. Therefore, we add only the calories from the final product of biofuel in our calculations. However, it would have been better to redirect to humans the crops used to produce biofuels. It is possible to have a relatively low famine death rate with a calorie consumption lower than 1.91 k call a person, d. The calorie supply, to households, in the Central African Republic, CAR, in 2015 was 1.73 k call, person ID. I assume household waste is quite negligible there, such that the calorie consumption is similar to the calorie supply. The deaths from protein energy malnutrition there in that year were 1.38 k equal to 0.0286%, equals 1.38 asterisk 10 3, for 0.82 asterisk 10 6, of CARS population in 2015. For context, global deaths from protein energy malnutrition in 2019 were 238k, equal to 0.00307%, equals 238 asterisk 10 3, 7.76 asterisk 10 6, of the global population. One of the anonymous reviewers commented low reported calorie supply values like cars in 2015 are underestimates due to smuggling, which would imply a greater death rate from malnutrition than the above if the real supply matched the reported one. Yet, this effect is offset by sheer 2022 not considering the underreported calories. In other words, it is still possible to have a relatively low famine death rate with a reported, if not actual, calorie consumption lower than 1.91k call a person a D. The same reviewer commented that an actual calorie consumption of 1.7K call a person a D is not sustainable, and literally killed people in WW2, as described in Taste of War, World War II and the battle for food. I agree 1.7K call a person a D is far from optimal for adults, but I doubt it would reduce life expectancy to less than two years, such that it could be sustained during the worst years of the nuclear winter in sheer 2022, 2 and 3. Calorie consumption in the coastal village of Kaul, Papua New Guinea, was 1.68 K call a person a D, equals, 1.94 plus 1.42, 2, based on the mean values provided by Norgan 1974 for 51 adult men and 69 adult women. That's the end of the list. Subheading. Probability of human extinction given insufficient calorie production. I obtained a probability of human extinction given insufficient calorie production of 10 to the power of negative 6, equals 1 a 10 carat 6, considering 1 m years is the typical lifespan of a mammal species. For context. Here's a list of bullet points. See Luisa Rodriguez, and Carl Schulman's general arguments and considerations about the possibility of civilization collapse leading to extinction. Here are Luisa's. Historical survival and resilience. The grace period. With population loss comes decorrelation of survivors. Non-uniformity of the initial catastrophe's impacts. The population loss would have to be incredibly extreme to lead to extinction. Inequitable food distribution tendentially decrease extinction risk. For example, with 1K call a person a D an equitable distribution. Everyone would starve because that is less than the resting energy expenditure, which is 1.14k call a person. D. According to Figure 5 of SHEAR 2022. Nonetheless, with inequitable distribution, there is room for part of the population to have enough calories. From Table S2 of the supplementary information of SHEAR 2022, Australia's major food crops and marine fish production in year two of a nuclear winter, involving 47 and 150 Tg, would be 36% and 24.2% higher than under normal conditions. My probability seems compatible with Luke Oman, one of the three authors of Roboc 2007, having guessed a risk of human extinction of 0.001% to 0.01% for an injection of soot into the stratosphere of 150 Tg. According to figure 5 or of Shear 2022, 150 Tg would result in a calorie consumption 56.5%, equals 1.08 asterisk 10 3 a 1.91 asterisk 10 3 as large as that for 84.2 tg given equitable food distribution consumption of all edible livestock feed and no household food waste so luke's guess for the extinction risk would presumably be significantly lower for 84.2 tg that's the end of the list heading Grantmakers and donors interested in decreasing extinction risk had better focus on artificial intelligence instead of nuclear war. Supposedly cause-neutral grantmakers aligned with effective altruism have influenced $15.3 million, equals 0.03 plus 5 times 10 to the power of negative 4 plus 2.70 plus 3.56 plus, 0.0488 plus 0.087 plus 5.98 plus 2.88 towards efforts aiming to decrease nuclear risk. Here's a list of bullet points. ACX grants supported Morgan Rivers via a grant of $30,000 in 2021. To help oft improve modelling of food security during global catastrophes, the public write-up is one paragraph. Founders pledged Global Catastrophic Risks Fund advised on $2.70 million, equals 0.2 plus 2.50, supporting. The Pacific Forum recommending a grant of $200,000 in 2023, one sentence. The Carnegie Endowment for International Peace recommending a grant of $2.50 million in 2024, one sentence. The Future of Life Institute, FLI, supported nuclear war research via 10 grants in 2022 totaling $3.56 million one paragraph each, of which $1 million was to support Alan Robox and Brian Toombs' research. The Long-Term Future Fund, LTFF, directed forty-eight point eight thousand dollars equals 3.6 plus 5 plus 40.2, supporting, Alft via a grant of 3 dollars in 2021 for, researching plans to allow humanity to meet nutritional needs after a nuclear war that limits conventional agriculture. One sentence. Isabel Johnson via an exploratory grant of $5,000 in 2022 for preliminary research into the civilizational dangers of a contemporary nuclear strike, one sentence. Will Aldred via a grant of $40.2,000 in 2022 to, one, carry out independent research into risks from nuclear weapons, and, two, upskill in AI strategy, one sentence. Longview Philanthropy's Emerging Challenges Fund directed $87,000, equals 15 plus 52 plus 20. Supporting. The Council on Strategic Risks via a grant of $15,000 in 2022, two paragraphs. The Carnegie Endowment for International Peace via a grant of $52,000 in 2023, three paragraphs. Decision Research via a grant of $20,000 in 2023, six paragraphs. Longview Philanthropy's Nuclear Weapons Policy Fund has supported the Council on Strategic Risks, Nuclear Information Project, and Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, one paragraph each. For transparency, I encourage Longview to share on their website information about at least the date and size of the grants this fund made. Open Philanthropy has supported Alan Robox and Brian Toon's research on nuclear winter via grants totaling $5.98 million, equals 2.98 plus 3, million in 2017, and $3 million in 2020, two paragraphs each. The Survival and Flourishing Fund, SFF, has supported ORFD via grants totaling $2.88 million, equals 0.01 plus 0.13 plus 0.175 plus 0.979 plus 0.427 plus 1.16, $10,000 and $130,000 in 2019. $175,000 and $979,000 in 2021, $427,000 in 2022, and $1.16 million in 2023, one sentence each. That's the end of the list. I encourage grantmakers to be more transparent by sharing further information about their grants. The extension of the public write ups respecting the grants above ranged from one sentence to six paragraphs, with the median being one paragraph. I consider the grant to Will was worth it, as I can see it having contributed to him now being a researcher in long termist AI strategy at Metaculus. All of the others seem way less cost effective than the current marginal grants of LTFF, which are overwhelmingly aimed at decreasing AI risk. Here's a list of bullet points. I guess the near term annual extinction risk from AI is 1.69 m equals 10 5, 5 5.93 10 12 times that from nuclear war. This assumes a near-term annual extinction risk from AI of 0.001%, which I motivate later in the section. I consider the annual spending on decreasing extinction risk from AI is 50.6 equals 4.04 asterisk 10^9 is 79.8 asterisk 6, times that on decreasing extinction risk from nuclear war. I determined this from the ratio between for Guyanese dollars and 4 cents, 4.04 billion US dollars, on nuclear risk in 2020, which I got from the mean of a log normal distribution with 5th and 95th percentile equal to 1 and 10 Guyanese dollars, corresponding to the lower and upper bound guest in 80,000 hours, profile on nuclear war. This issue is not as neglected as most other issues we prioritize. Current spending is between 1 billion dollars and 10 billion dollars per year, quality adjusted, see details. million on AI safety research that is focused on reducing risks from advanced AI, in 2023. So the near-term annual extinction risk per annual spending for AI risk is 85.5m, equals 1.69 times 10 to the power of 6 times 50.6, times that for nuclear risk it would be super hard for the best interventions to decrease nuclear risk to be so many orders of magnitude more tractable, that they overturn the massive difference in importance and neglectedness illustrated above, relatedly. Consequently, I consider grantmakers and donors interested in decreasing extinction risk had better focus on AI instead of nuclear war. That's the end of the list. Some caveats. Here's a list of bullet points. I expect AI risk will become much less neglected in the next few decades, and the cost-effectiveness of interventions to decrease AI risk to significantly drop as a result. Interventions to decrease nuclear risk have indirect effects, which will tend to make their cost-effectiveness more similar to that of the best interventions to decrease AI risk. I guess the best marginal grants to decrease AI risk are much less than 85.5 m times as cost-effective as those to decrease nuclear risk. At the same time, I believe it would be a surprising, and suspicious convergence if the best interventions to decrease nuclear risk based on the more direct effects of nuclear war also, happen to be the best with respect to the more indirect effects. I would argue directly optimising the indirect effects tends to be better. For example, I agree competition between the United States and China is a relevant risk factor for AI risk and that avoiding nuclear war contributes towards a better relationship between these countries, thus also decreasing AI risk. Yet, in this case, I would expect it would be better to explicitly focus on interventions in AI governance and coordination, China-related AI safety and governance paths, understanding India and Russia better, and improving China-Western coordination on global catastrophic risks. It can still make sense for cause neutral grantmakers to recommend donors who are not so to support interventions to decrease nuclear risk. The alternative may well be less cost effective, and supporting interventions to decrease nuclear risk could be a pathway towards influencing more pressing areas. That's the end of the list. I arrived at a near term annual extinction risk from AI of 0.001% as follows. I think looking into how species have gone extinct in the past is the best reference class to estimate AI risk. Jacob Steinhardt did an analysis which has some relevant insights. Quote, Thus, in general most species extinctions are caused by. A second species which the original species has not had a chance to adapt to. This second species must also not be reliant on the original species to propagate itself. A catastrophic natural disaster or climate event habitat destruction or ecosystem disruption caused by one of the two sources above. End quote. I believe we have pretty good reasons to think the second point applies much more weakly to humans than animals, but the first holds if one sees advanced AI as analogous to a new species. I would still claim deaths in past terrorist attacks and wars, provide a strong basis for arguing that humans will not go extinct via an AI war or terrorist attack. However, the first point alludes to what seems to me to be the greatest risk from AI, natural selection favoring AIs over humans. Since 1 m years is the typical lifespan of a mammal species, my prior extinction risk from AI in a random year this century is 10 to the power of negative 6, equals 1, 10 6. Further accounting for inside-view considerations, I guess the extinction risk from AI in a random year from 2025 to 2050 is 0.001%. Relatedly, I encourage readers to check Zach Fritasgroff's post on AGI catastrophe and takeover. Some reference class-based priors. I should note I do not consider humans being outcompeted by AI as necessarily bad, relatedly. I strongly endorse expected total hedonistic utilitarianism, ETHU. And I would be surprised if humans were the most efficient way of increasing welfare long term. At the same time, minimizing near term extinction risk from AI seems like a good heuristic to align it with ETHU. Heading The case for sometimes prioritizing nuclear extinction risk over AI extinction risk is much weaker than the case for sometimes prioritizing natural extinction risk over nuclear extinction risk. Subheading Cost effectiveness of decreasing extinction risk from nuclear war. I guess lobbying for nuclear arsenal limitation is one of the most cost-effective interventions to decrease near-term extinction risk from nuclear war. The Center for Exploratory Altruism Research, CARCH, estimated it averts disability-adjusted life years, dallys, 5.25k times as cost-effectively as Givewell's top charities, although. Quote. The headline cost-effectiveness will almost certainly fall if this cause area is subjected to deeper research, A. This is empirically the case, from past experience. And, b, theoretically, we suffer from optimizer's curse, where causes appear better than the mean partly because they are genuinely more cost-effective, but also partly because of random error favoring them, and when deeper research fixes the latter, the estimated cost-effectiveness falls. End quote. Despite this, lobbying for nuclear arsenal limitation still looks promising among interventions to decrease nuclear risk. For context, CARCH estimated, subject to the caveat above two, that conducting a pilot study of a resilient food source would be 14 times as cost-effective as GiveWell's top charities, that is just 0.267%, equals 14 if 5.25 asterisk 10 3, as cost-effective as lobbying for nuclear arsenal limitation. CARCH determined lobbying for nuclear arsenal limitation decreases 9 asterisk 10 10 of the nuclear risk per dollar, but I guess the actual cost-effectiveness is only 1% as high, such that it is only 52.5, equals 0.01 times 5.25 times 10 cubed, times as cost-effective as GiveWell's top charities at averting dallies. Consequently, I guess lobbying for nuclear arsenal limitation decreases 9 asterisk 10 carat 12, equals 0.01 times 9 times 10 to the power of negative 10 of the nuclear risk per dollar which respects a cost-effectiveness of decreasing near-term extinction risk from nuclear war of 5.34 asterisk 10, 7 bp at dollar, equals 9 times 10 to the power of negative 12 times 5.93 times 10 to the power of negative 12. Subheading. Cost-effectiveness of decreasing extinction risk from asteroids and comets. Salotti 2022 estimated the extinction risk from 2023 to 2122 from asteroids and comets is 2.2 asterisk 10 12. See Table 1. This comes from the probability of long-period comets with a diameter larger than 100 kilometers colliding with Earth, for which the warning time is shorter than five years. See Table 1. The near-term annual extinction risk from asteroids and comets respecting Salotti 2022 is 2.20 asterisk 10 carat 14, equals 1, 1 minus 2.2 times 10 to the power of negative 12, carat, 1 or 100. John Mark Salotti, the author of Salotti 2022, guesses it would cost hundreds of billions of dollars to design and test shelters, which would decrease the extinction risk from asteroids and comets by 50%. I supposed a cost of 182 Guyanese dollars, equals 2. 1 divided by 10 cubed plus 1 divided by 100, asterisk 10 carat 9, which is the reciprocal of the mean of the reciprocal of a uniform distribution ranging from 100 to 1000 Guyanese dollars. So I guess the cost effectiveness of decreasing near term extinction risk from asteroids and comets is 6.04 asterisk 10 carat dash 10 BP a T dollar equals 0.50 asterisk 2.20 asterisk 10 carat dash 14 a 182 asterisk 10 carat 9. Subheading. Comparisons. According to my estimates, the cost effectiveness of decreasing near term extinction risk from nuclear war via lobbying for nuclear arsenal limitation is 884, equals 5.34 10 7, 6.04 10 10, times that from decreasing near term extinction risk from asteroids and comets via shelters. However, I do not think one can conclude from this high ratio that lobbying for nuclear arsenal limitation is better than working on shelters, as these would decrease extinction risk from not only asteroids and comets, but also other risks, including nuclear war. On the other hand, I would say the case for sometimes prioritising nuclear extinction risk over AI extinction risk, is much weaker than the case for sometimes prioritising natural extinction risk over nuclear extinction risk. The ratio of 884 between the cost-effectiveness of decreasing nuclear and asteroids and comets risk is many orders of magnitude lower than the ratio of 85.5 M, I calculated between the near-term annual extinction risk per annual spending of AI and nuclear risk. The conclusion just above is reinforced if one believes there are more pressing natural risks besides those from asteroids and comets. According to Toby Ord's guesses given in the precipice, the existential risk from 2021 to 2120 from supervolcanic eruptions, his largest natural risk, is 100, equals 10 carat dash 10 carat 6, times that from asteroids and comets. However, I am not that moved by Tobi's estimate for the existential risk from supervolcanic eruptions. I believe extinction risk from these is many orders of magnitude lower, as arguably proved to be the case for asteroids and comets. Further research to increase the resilience of my cost-effectiveness estimates would be useful. Heading. Extinction risk from nuclear war was massively overestimated in the existential risk persuasion tournament. I collected in the table below the predictions of the superforecasters, domain experts, general existential risk experts, and non-domain experts of XPT for the risk of human extinction from nuclear war. The estimates respect the medians across 88 superforecasters, 13 domain experts, 14 general existential risk experts, and 58 non-domain experts. The superforecasters, domain experts, general existential risk experts, and non-domain experts' annual risk of human extinction from nuclear war from 2023 to 2030 is 6.102k, equals 3.57 asterisk 10 6. 5.93 asterisk 10 carat 12 7.23m equals 4.29 asterisk 10 carat 5 a 5.93 asterisk 10 carat 12 10.3m equals 6.08 asterisk 10 carat 5 5.93 asterisk 10 carat 12 and 4.22m equals 2.50 asterisk 10 carat 5 a 5.93 asterisk 10 carat 12 times my near term annual risk so I get a sense the extinction risk from nuclear war was massively overestimated in XPT. Do you agree? If yes, should one put little trust in other estimates of extinction risk from XPT? I think so. Still, I believe the XPT was quite valuable given the wealth of information shared in the report explaining the rationale for the forecasts. See Appendix 7. One could argue the large gap between XBT's estimates and mine points to me not having sufficiently updated my independent impression. I agree epistemic deference is valuable in general, but it is unclear to me whether I should be deferring more. Here's a list of bullet points. I am familiar with what informed XBT's nuclear extinction risk predictions, having read the respective sections. Sources of agreement, disagreement and uncertainty, arguments given for low-end forecasts, and, arguments given for higher-end forecasts, pages 298 to 303. Some participants in the XPT seem to believe in a much lower nuclear extinction risk than the medians I presented. Emphasis mine. Most forecasters whose probabilities were near the median factored in a range of possible risks, including world wars, nuclear winters, and even artificial intelligence-drivenness, nuclear extinction risks but concluded that even under worst-case scenarios, the extinction of humanity, give or take 5,000 people, would be near impossible, even if an NER, nuclear existential risk, had set humanity on a path that made eventual extinction a foregone conclusion, existing resources on Earth would allow at least 5,000 survivors to hang on for 78 years. For many, the thought of getting to less than 5,000 humans alive was simply too far-fetched an outcome and they couldn't be persuaded otherwise in what they saw as credible scenarios. T, he set of circumstances required for this to happen are quite low, though obviously not impossible. These circumstances are that there will be a nuclear conflict between two nations both capable and willing to fire at everyone everywhere, between the two of them, very bad case scenarios where India and Pakistan, or the US and Russia, or China and anyone else, fired everything they had at just each other, or even at each other and each other's close allies, would likely not cause extinction, it requires some of the big nuclear powers to decide to try to take literally everyone down with them, and that they actually succeed. So we think that the probabilities in this question are dominated by scenarios of total nuclear war before 2050, which cause civilizational and climate collapse to the point where long-term survival becomes impossible to save for very well-prepared shelters, but even pessimistic scenarios seem unlikely to lead to a collapse that is fast enough to reduce the global population to below 5,000 by 2,100 inch. There aren't compelling arguments on the higher end for this question again due to the fact that this is a very high bar to achieve. The team predicts that there will be pockets of people who survive in various regions of the world. Their survival may be at Neolithic standards, but there will be tribes of people who band together and restart mankind. After all, many mammals survived the asteroid and ice age that killed the dinosaurs. A certain number of team members feel that even if there was a full strategic exchange and usage of all of the world's nuclear arsenal, still humanity would be able to keep its numbers over 5,000. The argument for this is the number, a, nd population of uncontacted tribes, or isolated human populations like the Easter Island population pre-contact, that have managed to hold numbers of over 5,000 in extremely harsh conditions. A, almost certainly some people would survive on islands or in caves given even the worst of worst cases. Southern Hemisphere likely to be less impacted, New Zealand, Madagascar, Pacific Islands, Highlands of Papua New Guinea. Unlikely to be targeted and include areas with little global and technology dependence, just the population of Antarctica in its summer is roughly 5,000 people. Even small islands surviving could easily mean more than 5k people. There are s. several regions in the world that would not be affected by nuclear conflict directly, and have decent climatic conditions to support 100 of millions even in a northwest, nuclear winter. I believe my estimate involved much more explicit modelling than XBT's. There is very little formal evidence on the accuracy of forecasting very rare events like human extinction. In general, I suspect there is a tendency to give probabilities between 1% and 99% for events whose mechanics we do not understand well, like the factors involved in a product to estimate the chance of extinction. Such a range encompasses the vast majority, 98% equals 0.990.01 of the available linear space from 0 to 1 and forecasting questions are often formulated with the aim of reasonable predictions falling in that range. However, the available logarithmic space is infinitely vast, and it is hard to rule out an astronomically low extinction risk. In contrast, extinction risk could be overly high if it implies a too low probability of our current existence. So there is margin for moderate guesses, for example between 1% and 99%, to be major overestimates. That's the end of the list. As a side note, the superforecasters predicted the annual risk from 2023 to 2100 is 7.59 equals 9.49 asterisk 10 6 a 1.25 asterisk 10 6 times that from 2023 to 2030. The domain experts 2.83 equals 7.07 asterisk 10 5 2.50 asterisk 10 5 times. The general existential risk experts 2.40, equals 9.01 asterisk 10-5, 3.75 10-5, times, and the non-domain experts 1.95, equals 2.44 asterisk 10-5, a 1.25 asterisk 10-5, times. That is all expected the risk to increase throughout this century. Interestingly, none foresaw major changes to the median number of nuclear warheads by 2040 which is some evidence against large increases in nuclear arsenals. Relative to the 12,705 in 2022, see pages 532 and 533. 31 superforecasters predicted 13,500, that is an increase of 6.26%, equals 13,512,705,1. One domain expert predicted 11,990, that is a decrease of 5.63%, equals 1, 11, 990 or 12705. Five general existential risk experts predicted 10,200, that is a decrease of 19.7%, equals 1, 10, 705. 10 non-domain experts predicted 12,952.5. That is a decrease of 1.95% equals 112952.512705. 12, Consequently, I think the superforecasters, domain experts, general existential risk experts, and non-domain experts implicitly predicted at least one of the following: nuclear war becoming more frequent, having a greater potential to escalate, or humanity becoming less resilient to it. I only seem to agree with the second of these. Heading Toby Ord greatly overestimated tail risk in the precipice. I collected in the table below Toby's annual existential risk from 2021 to 2120 from AI, nuclear war, and asteroids and comets based on his guesses given in the precipice. I also added my estimates for the near-term annual extinction risk from the same three risks, and the ratio between Toby's values and mine. The values are not directly comparable, because Toby's refer to existential risk and mine to extinction risk. Nonetheless, I still have the impression Toby greatly overestimated tail risk. This is in agreement with David Thorstad's series exaggerating the risks, which includes subseries on climate, AI, and bio-risk, and discusses Toby's book The Precipice. The estimates of the tail risk from asteroids and comets are arguably the most robust, so it is interesting there is a large difference between Toby's and mine even there. There are many concepts of existential catastrophe but I do not think one can say existential risk from asteroids and comets is anything close to 455k, times as high as extinction risk from these. Here's a list of bullet points. In the precipice, Toby says the probability of an asteroid larger than 10 kilometers colliding with Earth in the next 100 years is lower than 1. In 150m, table 3.1, and guesses that the risk from comets larger than 10 kilometers is similarly large, page 72 which implies a total risk from asteroids and comets larger than 10 kilometers of around 1.33 asterisk 10 8 equals 2, 150 asterisk 10 6. This is only 1.33 percent equals 1.33 times 10 to the power of negative 8 divided by 10 to the power of negative 6. Of Toby's guess for the existential risk from asteroids and comets, Which implies Toby expects the vast majority of existential risk to come from asteroids and comets smaller than ten kilometers. The last mass extinction was caused by the impact of a massive asteroid ten to fifteen kilometers, six to nine miles, wide, and happened 66 m years ago. It involved an impact winter, which played a role in the extinction of the dinosaurs, and may well have contributed to the emergence of mammals and ultimately humans. So, Toby would expect an asteroid impact similar to that of the last mass extinction to be an existential catastrophe. Yet, at least ignoring anthropics, I believe there would be a probability of full recovery of 100% equals 1. E 10 9 is 66 10 6, even then, assuming an exponential distribution for the time to go from I, human extinction due to such an asteroid, to 2. Evolving a species as capable as humans at steering the future, with mean equal to the aforementioned 66 m years. The above evolution could take place in the next 1 billion years during which the Earth will remain habitable. In addition, one should arguably suppose a species as capable as humans at steering the future would have similarly good values, even if different. Setting the existential risk from asteroids and comets to the extinction risk estimated in Salotti 2022 seems much more legitimate, as it relies on a threshold of 100 kilometers for the impactor. This is one order of magnitude larger and three orders of magnitude more energetic than the asteroid involved in the last mass extinction, thus having the potential to cause the extinction of not only humans but also of many other species in our evolutionary path. That's the end of the list. Heading. Interventions to decrease deaths from nuclear war should be assessed based on standard cost-benefit analysis. I believe interventions to decrease deaths from nuclear war should be assessed based on standard cost-benefit analysis, CBA. Having in mind my astronomically low near-term annual extinction risk from nuclear war, it is unclear to me whether nuclear interventions decrease extinction risk more cost-effectively than broader ones. Like the best interventions to boost economic growth or decrease disease burden, for example, GiveWell's top charities. I expect AI risk to be many orders of magnitude more important with respect to extinction risk, so I would argue nuclear interventions can only be competitive under an alternative worldview, like ones where the goal is boosting economic growth or decreasing disease burden. Moreover, I would propose using standard CBAs not only in the political sphere, as argued by Elliot Thornley and Carl Schulman but also outside of it. In terms of what grantmakers aligned with effective altruism have been doing. Here's a list of bullet points. CARCH has done standard CBAs. Shallow report on nuclear war, abolishment, by Joel Tan, the cost-effectiveness was estimated to be 0.4 times that of GiveWell's top charities. Shallow report on nuclear war, arsenal limitation, by Joel Tan, 5k times that of GiveWell's top charities. Intermediate report on abrupt sunlight reduction scenarios by Stan Pinsent, 14 times that of GiveWell's top charities. Founders Pledge has done a standard CBA. Doubling risk reduction spending, 2.5 times that of against Malaria Foundation. Open Philanthropy has made grants. In the area of scientific research, under their global health and well-being portfolio, which tends to rely on standard CBA. Penn State University, Emergency Food Research, Charles Anderson, $109,000. Penn State University, Research on Emergency Food Resilience, Charles Anderson, 2020, $3.06 million. Under their Global Catastrophic Risks portfolio, which does not tend to rely on standard CBA. Rutgers University, Nuclear Conflict Climate Modeling, $2.98 million. Rutgers University, Nuclear Conflict Climate Modeling, 2020, $3 million. That's the end of the list. I wonder whether the best interventions to decrease deaths from nuclear war would, based on in-depth CBAs, be better than donating to GiveWell's All Grants Fund. From the ones above, I guess only nuclear arsenal limitation would be so. Heading Increasing calorie production via new food sectors is less cost-effective to save lives than measures targeting distribution. Nuclear winter is a major source of risk of global catastrophic food failures. Nonetheless, my estimates imply the annual probability of a nuclear war causing, globally, insufficient calorie production is 0.0553%, is equal to 0.0131 times 0.0422. This suggests food distribution rather than production will be the bottleneck to decrease famine deaths in the vast majority of circumstances, as is the case today. So I think increasing calorie production via new, or massively scaled-up, food sectors, like greenhouse crop production, lignocellulosic sugar, methane single-cell protein or seaweed, is less cost-effective to save lives than measures targeting distribution, like ones aiming to ensure the continuation of international food trade one of the anonymous reviewers commented the aforementioned new food sectors are definitely helpful for loss of international trade scenarios. I suspect the reviewer has something like the following in mind. From figure 5b of Shear 2022, the minimum soot injected into the stratosphere for insufficient calorie consumption is 10 tg given no international food trade, consumption of all edible livestock feed, and no household food waste. In contrast, I estimated a minimum soot injected into the stratosphere for insufficient calorie production of 84.2 Tg. Supposing the net effect on calorie production of all the adaptation measures is similar to assuming equitable food distribution, consumption of all edible livestock feed, and no household food waste. I think the reviewer may be concluding from the above that, given no international food trade, calorie consumption would be much lower and therefore increasing food production via new food sectors would become much more important relative to distribution. I agree with the former, but not the latter. Loss of international food trade is more of a problem of food distribution than production. If this increased thanks to new food sectors, but could not be distributed to low-income food deficit countries, LIFDCs, due to loss of trade, there would still be many famine deaths there. Many LIFDCs are in tropical regions too, where there is a smaller decrease in crop yields during a nuclear winter, see Fig. 4, of Shear, 2022. Furthermore, greater loss of trade and supply chain disruptions will be associated with greater loss of population and infrastructure, which in turn Will arguably make solutions relying on new food sectors less likely to be successful relative to ones leveraging existing sectors. Examples of the latter include decreasing animal and biofuel production, which relies on edible crops, expanding crop area, and using more coal tolerant crops. My point about distribution rather than production being a bottleneck loses strength as the severity of the nuclear winter increases. For an injection of soot into the stratosphere of 150 Tg, the calorie consumption given equitable food distribution, consumption of all edible livestock feed, and no household food waste would be 1.08k call a person a d, c figure 5 or of sheer 2022, which is just 56.5%, equals 1.08 asterisk 10 3, 1.91 asterisk 10 3, of the minimum caloric requirement. Producing more calories would be crucial in this case. Moreover, sheer 2022's 150 TG scenario involves 4.4k nuclear detonations, see Table 1. The disruptions to international food trade caused by these would be so extensive, that it would be especially useful for countries to have local resilience, such as by producing their own food. Finally, there is a risk that focusing on new food sectors counterfactually increases the suffering of farmed animals without decreasing starvation, not to mention the meat-eater problem. Some countries may not need to consume all edible livestock feed to mitigate starvation, in which case increasing production from new food sectors could allow for greater consumption of farmed animals with bad lives. Somewhat relatedly, I have very mixed feelings about promoting resilient food solutions which rely on increasing factory farming, such as oft mentioning insects. Heading Acknowledgements Thanks to anonymous person 1, anonymous person 2, anonymous person 3. Anonymous Person 4, Ezra Korga, Farah Dingal, Matthew Jensel, Nuno Semper, and Ross Tiemann for feedback on the draft. Thanks to Jean Marc Salotti for guessing the cost of shelters, which would decrease the extinction risk from asteroids and comets. This article was narrated by Type 3 Audio for the Effective Altruism Forum. It was first published on February 25, 2024. The original text contained 34 footnotes, which were omitted from the narration.